Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The Telegraph, the Telegraph. Podcasts. The UK's lowest hospital death toll since March. We must never lose sight of the human cost of coronavirus and the pain and the grief that it causes. Boris Johnson returns amid pressure to unlock the economy. Every day the economy is closed costs all of us billions of pounds. And we get to the bottom of the government's favourite phrase, guided by science. This is Coronavirus, the latest from The Telegraph. I'm Theodora Leloudis. Families of frontline NHS and social care staff who die from coronavirus will each receive a £60,000 payment. The Health Secretary, Matt Hancock, told the Daily Downing Street briefing that 82 NHS workers and 16 social care staff had died with the virus so far. They dedicated their lives to caring for others. And I feel a deep personal sense of duty that we must care for their loved ones. Of course, nothing replaces the loss of a loved one. But we want, what, we want to do everything that we can to support families who are dealing with this grief. The UK registered 360 deaths with the virus in hospitals on Monday, the first time the number of fatalities has dropped below 400 since the end of March. It comes as Boris Johnson returns to Downing Street to lead the country's coronavirus response after more than three weeks off sick. Speaking for the first time since his recovery, he said the country was beginning to turn the tide on the virus, but urged people not to lose patience with the lockdown. And I want to get this economy moving as fast as I can, but I refuse to throw away all the effort and the sacrifice of the British people and to risk a second major outbreak and huge loss of life and the overwhelming of the NHS. And I ask you to contain your impatience because I believe we are coming now to the end of the first phase of this conflict. And in spite of all the suffering, we have so nearly succeeded. The Prime Minister acknowledging there the dichotomy between saving lives and helping the economy. And although the government said before that the UK isn't facing a choice between the two, many of his critics see it as such. The Telegraph's economics editor, Russell Lynch, says the pressure's even coming from some of his own backbenchers. Every day the economy is closed costs all of us billions of pounds. The Office for Budget Responsibility, the government's fiscal forecaster, estimates that growth could slump as much as 35% in the current quarter. In a two trillion economy, that kind of fall costs us around 60 billion a month. 
or two billion a day in lost growth. That's being reflected into miserable data, such as the worst fall in retail sales ever last month, a record slump in the more timely activity surveys, and more than 1.5 million universal credit claims. The collapse is so steep that the government will ask bond markets for up to 180 billion to fund the crisis response, pushing the deficit into double figures and adding hundreds of billions of pounds to the UK's debt burden. The Chancellor, Rishi Sunak, has told MPs he had a sense of urgency on reopening the economy safely and that extensive work was being done on the second phase. In response to questions from a raft of high-profile former ministers such as Steve Baker, Therese Villiers and Andrea Ledson, the government has unveiled five health conditions to begin lifting it. But the unofficial sixth condition, when is Boris back, has now been fulfilled and now businesses are demanding a clear roadmap out of the deep freeze. The Prime Minister, for his part, stresses that ending it too soon could lead to a second spike in cases and cause more deaths, economic disaster and reimposed restrictions. And he asked the countries as a to contain your impatience. But patience among businesses and his political allies is running out fast. And it's not just businesses seeking clarity. Behavioural scientist and psychologist Professor Benjamin Voyer says transparency on a potential timeline for the end of the lockdown would keep the public obeying the measures currently in place. When you have a clear way out, um, you're more likely to understand the importance of the goal uh, and put them in perspective. We also know that people do better when goals are specific. The more precise what we're asking people to achieve, the more likely they are to stick precisely to what we're asking them to achieve. If goals are seen to be reachable, people are more likely to stick to them and reach them eventually. If there is no clear way out, this means that the way out or the hypothetical way out may seem as unreachable. And last but not least, we know that people perform better when there is some sort of a pressure uh, for them to do well. So pressure acts as something that motivates them. If you have a clear way out and if you have a set date for getting out of the lockdown, it adds to the pressure to conform and stick to behaviours until a certain date. If there is no clear end in sight, you're releasing the pressure in some ways. And this means that people are less likely to stick to those behaviours. We will be guided by the science. We have been guided by the scientific advice. Our approach is to be guided by the science. Well, we're guided by the science and everything that we... Guided by science has become the mantra of the government's response to the crisis and certainly to any move to ease the lockdown. It's a chant repeated whenever a minister's approach has been questioned, but with almost nothing known about what goes on in the meetings of the Scientific Advisory Group for Emergencies, also known as SAGE, it's hard to know quite what being guided by the science actually means. Is it truthful or is it a handy expression to hide behind? While The Telegraph's Daniel Capuro has been looking into the phrase. As one epidemiologist who's advised the government before told me, it's one thing to say you're guided by the science in your decisions, and quite another to say you've made a scientific decision. The science around COVID-19 is still full of uncertainties, and the government is having to act based on very limited information. But because of official secrecy, we also don't know what advice ministers are receiving and how closely they're acting on it. There's no doubt that some of the decisions the government has made during this crisis will end up having been the wrong ones. But that doesn't mean they were mistakes at the time, based on the information then available to ministers. There are a couple of caveats, though. One, were ministers genuinely following the advice? And two, how good was the data they based their decisions on, 
especially the modelling, and did they fully understand its limitations? As Sir David King, the chief scientific advisor under both Tony Blair and Gordon Brown, told me, both scientists and politicians are bad at dealing with low-probability, high-risk events. Did they mistakenly think that the new coronavirus was one of them? A worse outcome to the epidemic in Britain than in other countries is not necessarily evidence that ministers made the wrong choices. But nor is the claim to be guided by the science a guarantee that they didn't get it wrong. Being stuck at home and simply being bored is a luxury for those living in homes not affected by domestic abuse. MPs are calling on the government to set up spaces in supermarkets so victims of domestic violence can seek help when buying their groceries. The Home Affairs Committee wants the UK to follow the example of France, which has set up 30 pop-up centres in stores to help cope with the surge in cases since the country went into lockdown. In the UK, a pilot scheme where counsellors are available for victims at pharmacies is already due to be launched, but the MP are also calling on the government to designate more accommodation, including hotel rooms, for victims fleeing their abusive partners. The Home Affairs Committee revealed that domestic abuse killings have doubled over a three-week period of the lockdown, and on Friday, the Metropolitan Police revealed they'd made more than 4,000 arrests. Earlier, I spoke to Lucy Hadley from the charity Women's Aid, which works to end domestic abuse against women and children. We saw the data emerging from China and from other countries and previous pandemics, which shows that violence against women and girls increases during these times of crises. It was very predictable that we were going to see uh, survivors of domestic abuse being really severely impacted by the lockdown measures, both in terms of of the likelihood of increased physical and emotional harm uh, during COVID-19, but also because those routes to safety and support, such as as schools, as GPs, as other public services, um, are closing down and it's harder to access the face-to-face support you need. Lucy Hadley, clearly MPs are aware of the issue. Uh, As we've discussed, the Home Affairs Committee's published a report on it. But is the government doing enough to protect victims? Whilst we're beginning to see some some signs of change, so a new public awareness campaign by the government and some announcements about funding, we've yet to see the kind of consistent, coordinated action we need or emergency funding reaching frontline domestic abuse services and and refuges to support them during this time of challenge. It's absolutely essential that that emergency funding reaches the frontline and we support these services to continue to support survivors. Garlic, kombucha and vitamin D have all been touted as possible coronavirus preventions and cures. The first two are tosh. The effect of the third is, at best, less clear, but it's certainly more widely purported. Vitamin D is produced when the body's exposed to sunlight, and Public Health England is now warning the public to stay conscious of their vitamin D levels as we're all spending more time inside. But with the weather already having turned for many of us in the UK, certainly those of us in the South and Northern Ireland seem to have had a pretty grey day. Even those with a garden might now find themselves deprived of the key vitamin. But how much truth is there in the claim that vitamin D could help tackle COVID-19? Here's Dr Selena Langdon. At present, there isn't enough evidence to say that actually there is a good link between uh, taking vitamin D and reducing your risk of coronavirus. Uh, With that poor level of evidence, it isn't something that we can uh, say to people to take vitamin D in order to prevent yourself from getting it. But there are still many benefits of taking vitamin D. So it's still important to make sure that during this time, during lockdown, you are still guaranteeing that you take enough vitamin D in your diet. 
and do still try and get some sun exposure in a safe way um, during this period of time. And it's an important supplement for helping us to maintain healthy bones, healthy teeth and muscles. However, now, unfortunately, many of us are experiencing a change in environment similar to that experienced by those that usually live in care homes or are housebound or by those that usually have little or no exposure to the sun. So during this time, Public Health England has advised that we should be taking 10 micrograms, so not 10 milligrams, but 10 micrograms per day of vitamin D as an additional supplement. There are other sources of vitamin D that we should all be aware of because you can also get vitamin D in egg yolks, in oily fish, in red meat, in liver. There are fortified cereals that will have vitamin D in some spreads. This is Coronavirus, the latest from The Telegraph. I'm Theodora Leloudis and I'll be back on Tuesday evening with another update. If you have a question you'd like us to address on the podcast, email me. It's coronaviruspodcast at telegraph.co.uk. In the meantime, you can access all of our news, analysis and advice completely free for seven days at telegraph.co.uk slash audio. You'll also find an offer there for students, 85% off your subscription. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Jesse Crookshank. Jesse Crookshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl, yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs>